to all my freaks and my geeks out there, this is your one and only, the unorthodox superstar, Lestat, and you're watching the Three Count Podcast. Welcome everybody to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entry to the Ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. You could call me your Sherpa. You should call me your Sherpa. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it better than you can. And that's why it's never about me, but it's about who's entering the ring. And today, you see the man right next to me. He's at HWT. He is at Clips. He's at PWS, LAW, and Stellar Pro Wrestling. He is the unorthodox Lestat. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I'm, yep. Thank you very much for being for inviting me to be here. I, I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate that you're on, man, because uh, we actually met back at HWT a little while ago, and we've kind of been trying to, like, plan this out and get this put together, but I'm oh, just yeah, glad yeah. that you're on, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, this, like, what, this is, like, the third time I tried to be on here, and I just couldn't, so <laughs> I do apologize, you know. Hit and misses, man. It's all good. Like, we're here now, so we're living in the present time. We ain't worry about the past. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Amen, brother. Let's do this. So... Man, like I said, we met, we've talked, man. We were having a great time. We had a great conversation. One of the cool things about you is that uh, it was it was funny because, like, during our match that we had, right, you were – the one thing you were telling me about was, like, you listen very well, man. But it was just cool because, like, I was able to legit have someone in the ring that's obviously – because I'm green. I ain't going to front. Like, I've been in – I just I just hit my two-year mark. So, But I was able to get in with someone that's a little bit more veteran than me, and then you were able to kind of guide the match and get things put together. So. Yeah, I just want to, one, say thank you for that. And then, two, like, you've been in for so long, man. Like, how is – what's that like, that process of going through, knowing that you're working with someone who's green and trying to help, like, pull the best match out of them that you can? Well, first of all, you're, you're quite welcome. And I'd like to thank you for actually listening. You have no idea how many times I work with anyone who's, like, a two- or three-year year wrestler. I say it loosely wrestler and they have the big head and the the wrestler syndrome and they don't like to listen and you're actually one of the people who actually do listen and i do appreciate it and to answer your second question is i was there i was the trainee i was the mark who would be front row in the shows i was there i had people help me out when i was there and on the other hand, I had people who had what we call superstar syndrome and did not do the same for me. So I got both ends of the spectrum. So I told myself when I was a first year, second year, third year, that if I actually made it to like, say, eight, nine years plus, that if I help the greenies, put over the greenies, I'm going to give them the full respect that they deserve because everyone just looks at them and they go, Oh, you're just green, whatever. But everyone forgets one thing. I consider wrestling like a tree. If that makes sense, we all start at our roots and we go in and we blossom into this big tree. However, though, some people forget the roots where they came from and without roots, they die. So, well, I actually do like 
I actually like putting over new guys or wrestling programs with new newer people because it just it gives me a chance to see how they work. However, though, new people, well, a couple years in, actually teach me things, which I'm always learning and I appreciate it. Like during our match at HWT, you taught me a few things, and that was actually pretty cool. So, answer your question. I, 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 I was given, so I give back. It's a, it's a circle. You give, you take. You give, you take. You take, you give. It's a circle, because a lot of people don't really remember this. We, in one promotion to another are a family and our main goal is to work with each other to do to give a good show to our fans and a lot of people seem to forget that so i like to think about it as what can i do to help others what can i do to help the show and with that mindset i have no problem going out doing whatever with whatever with whomever and whatever promotion i have no, and and that's it's definitely a, a testament to your point that you said like you know this is this is a team like yeah there's certain spots that are available on the team and not everybody can be on like the A team right or the big team oh yeah but there's always spots available and there's always teams out there that are working together but at the end of the day the mission is the same thing like we're all working together to put on the best product for the fans because that's ultimately who it's about it's about you guys it's not about us you know I mean we're there right. we yep. understand but. If it wasn't for fans, like there would be nobody else. Like it would, there would be no wrestling. There would be nothing in there. So I definitely, I definitely understand. It is cool though, man. I didn't realize, like you know, like you said, like I taught you a couple of things. I thought that that's pretty cool. I <laughs> so top question I'm going to ask you, man, is who is Lestat? Who is Lestat? That actually, on on my show, on on my show on Facebook and TikTok, I have Electric Avenue. And I actually went into detail for it, but if you really want to hear, I can go way back. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Okay, we're going way back. Okay, let's uh turn turn your time thing and uh hop in your DeLorean. We're gonna go back to uh let's say I think the year two thousand two. So I'm back in two thousand two and I was in eighth grade and I was experimenting with you know, different looks, you know, how when you get into the middle school era, you don't you want to find yourself in crap like that. So when I was in eighth grade, I was doing the same thing. I was trying to find myself and, and everything. And I end up, you know, end up becoming like what people say with emo goth or whatnot. But what's what started everything is I picked up this book. All right. It was Interview with the Vampire from Anne Rice, who is my all-time favorite author. And it's a shame that she just recently passed away. But I picked this book up, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because, you know, I saw the movie. And I'm like, you know what? I might as well read the book. And then pretty soon, I, you know, don't tell my mom that, but uh, I took the book to school. And, I, you know, I would read it at lunch or before homeroom or whatnot. And, of course, with junior high and middle school, there were a bunch of bullies, too. So uh, people saw me walking around, you know, with, dressing, dressing all black and, and things, and they would actually, like, make fun of me. 
they would call me Lestat. They made fun of me about it. They, they, I, you know, bullies be whatever. And they would like, pick, like, just pick on me. Like they would take my book and read it and whatever, whatever, throw it. But they would just call me Lestat just to, um, make fun of me. Just fast forward a couple years. This was about 2005, 2006, you know, and I'm having like an Anne Rice book with me or audio book, whatever I have. And it was funny. Uh, my friend Cassie, who unfortunately passed away as well, she's like, she pulls me aside and she goes, Hey, if you think about it, Lestat's kind of hot. And I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, did she read the book? I know she watched the movie. And I'm just like, okay. Okay. So anyway, then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll dig it. I dig it. So Lestat, Lestat became like kind of like a nickname for me. And so people like would like say, hey, Lestat, what's going on? I'm like, not much. Having a good day. Have a math test today. But I'm not quite sure. You know, stuff like that. Okay, so I, I end up graduating and going to Penn State. And the, the Lestat nickname kind of faded away a little bit. You know, new school, don't know anybody. So um, back, but... Right between high school and college, my home promotion, KCW, Keystone Championship Wrestling, which is no longer here, which is technically Imagine over in Altoona, PA, where I'm from now, uh, they opened a school. And from a graduation present to myself, I enrolled in KCW class, uh, training, a tryout. Now, this is really weird because... I actually had a tryout with them in 2005, like the year before. And they called me vampire kid. Like every time I was, I was running the ropes or taking bumps, they called me vampire kid because, you know, I would show up to the show. I had a hearse. I had my first car. I bought a hearse. I had the black trench coat, all that stuff, you know? So yeah, I, I go full, I go full out on my gimmick. So anyway, I came back, I went to, in the summer of 2006, I stepped into a KCW arena again to try out for their school, and they they said that that they'll take me, and I was I was ecstatic because they they told me that they liked my respect and the fact that I was a black belt, and not flaunting it too. So anyway, I was training under KCW Kato, good guy, good guy. If you ever get to work with him, I highly suggest it. He's amazing. But uh, we were actually in Hastings, PA, when this happened. Um, for, for those who don't know, if you train under Kato, you work in the ring. But before you actually debut, they, he gives you a job to do in the ring or at the show. You're either doing lights, music, you being a referee, definitely set up, definitely tear down. All right. Pay my dues, get my stripes. I respect that. I was a referee. And I oh, that was it was pretty cool. You know, I was just referee Brian. It was I didn't I didn't think of a really funny name like Miles Long or anything. So um another another tip that he gave me was even if you're training, bring your gear just in case. So I'm just like, okay, so I brought my gear one time. And I remember this like it was yesterday 
we were in Diamond Championship Wrestling, owned by Diamond Troy Justice, Troy Fritz. And one of the semi-main events was supposed to be Jimmy the High-Flying Hippie versus Dave Daniels. However, Dave Daniels did not show up, and I was put into this match. And my gimmick was, of course, a vampire, because Cato thought it'd be funny if I was a vampire, because, you know, I would walk around with the face paint and blah, 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 and stuff like that. However, though, he thought it'd be funny if I was a Victorian age vampire. So I had, like, the frilly shirts, I had, like, the cufflinks and everything, and it, like, if I could find old pictures, I'll send them to you, bro. It's it's really funny. <laughs> so anyway, I had no name at all. I had no name. I wasn't even – I didn't think I was that close to debuting at all. So we are, put, um, we are putting the match together, Jimmy and I are. The announcer comes up to me and asks me my name, and I'm like, uh, you know, complete <laughs> – complete blah. So then Jimmy comes up to Jimmy comes up and says, he is Count Lestat. He looks at me and gives me the shit grin because I told him the, my whole story because I trained with I trained with Jimmy. I traveled with Jimmy. I told Jimmy everything. So I told him about the whole like reading a book, reading books, vampire. Uh, I love a, I love vampires. I'm a vampire, Mark, all this stuff. And I told him that. It's my fault, but I told him that no one calls me that anymore because, you know, everyone that did is either working at Burger King or going across state for college. Right. So he looks at me right after telling the announcer that I'm Count Lestat because I don't know how he, he thought of Count. He just said Count Lestat, and it just snowballed from there. So I was a Victorian-age vampire trying to live in the modern-day world as Count Lestat. And then when my friends and family found out I debuted and with the Lestat name, they just gave me this look like, shit, kid, you can't get rid of it. And I'm like, is that really a, a bad thing? So then I spent, I spent years and years as the Count. That, the Count, that's what people would give me a nickname as the Count, which is really weird. A nickname for a nickname? I don't know. Right. Double nickname? <laughs> I don't know. So then um, it it was fine, but it took me anywhere between 45 to 70 minutes to get ready before a show. I mean, I, I had I had I, three layers to put on, and I was in a makeup chair for like 40 minutes of that. So yeah. like when uh, – when the promoter says everyone backstage to get ready for the show, what, what about six o'clock? Is it about six? If it's a seven o'clock bell time, I was already there since like five, uh, four forty-five, five o'clock. Getting like, I had prosthetics I had to put in. I had it was uh, Spirit Halloween. I had that jug of blood, and it tasted like liquid plastic. Yeah. It was disgusting. <laughs> I had to put the red contacts in. I I, uh, I had hair straighteners, the curlers. You know, make myself look like I was from like the Victorian era. It took forever, but it looked really good. And, but uh, it was weird. Then my music would hit. I had my music was hysteria from Muse. I found that I found a music video from Interview with the Vampire with that song on. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I'd come out, 
and with with a, with a cape my mom and i made this really cool cape get clasped right here and it had a hood it kind of looked like some kind of nosferatu thing and um i would come out and i would smile and my teeth would show and all of a sudden like i had a mouthful of this spirit halloween fake blood it tastes like plastic and i'll go and i would just start dripping down through here and i'll just smile and start oozing and oozing and i'll just spit up in the air and it made a big blood mist it was actually really dope and um i got a couple of front rowers kind of completely like soaked which they like freaked out about but i kind of thought was really cool uh yeah i did that for a, a long time and then um Oh, I'm getting my years mixed up, but uh, so KCW closes, and I am I end up going on my own, doing everything, and I get into Kobe Pro. Have you uh, have you known about Kobe Pro? No, no, I'm not familiar with them at all. Oh, well, Kobe Pro when they were open was an amazing promotion. It was in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, and they pushed me to the moon, like I. Not, I know that's a, like a basic, easy quote to the moon because everyone uses that nowadays. <laughs> but when I went there, when I when I went there, I was just the count there. I I don't know why, but um, even though on my butt said Lestat, but they, Cody Kobe, he was the promoter and the booker and everything there, and he had WWE's Tatanka as a head trainer there. So I actually stepped in the ring with Tatanka for a few times and he completely opened my eyes again. Like he took what I knew and then he expanded on that. And one of the last times I seen him bef before I moved on to another promotion is that he liked my energy and he liked the fact that I can, I would like to do whatever I want to do, no matter how I want to do it. And I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. You know, uh, WB Hall of Famer Tatanka, you know, telling me how he likes my energy. You know, I blame the ADD, you know, a little hyper and stuff. But I like to get a certain way on my own, even though if it's a little unorthodox. <laughs> See what I did there? I like it. I like it. Yep. So uh, uh, when uh, my gear, my vampire gear got all worn out and worn, uh, torn up and stuff, I would usually, uh, usually either patch it up myself or I get new gear. And then um, my countless stat gear took a massive crap on me and started splitting. And I'm like, you know what? If Edge could do it, I can do it. So I, I changed up my gimmick a little bit. But it took me a while to um, think about what I wanted, what I wanted. Because I just like, because after, after Kobe Pro, I went to a couple shows. And one show I was facing... I forget what promotion it was. I think it was Kobe Pro. I was facing ROH's Jimmy Nuts. And I went for a Sheamus-type bro kick. And I twisted my knee. And it, oh, it, was, it was like, it was embarrassing. It was it was bad. Like, And the, it, the, be, the fact of the matter is there was only five people there. And I do this uh, bro kick. It worked. Like, I, I kind of overshot. I kind of hit him, like, right here. Like, I was up. But I twisted my knee. And I was out for a little bit, and I'm like, maybe that's maybe that's a sign. So I was then I took a little bit of time off. Then um, and then uh, 
I was like, what's going on? Because don't get me wrong. I still love the vampires. I, I'm obsessed. I have a whole wall of vampire novels, vampire like books, manga, DVD, Blu-ray, even VHSs. Cause I collect VHSs too. So whatever. So, but I'm like, I would love to hang out with the people outside the show till it's time to go back in, like going in and getting ready for like 45, 70 minutes. It was kind of ridiculous for a little bit, even though I looked good. I'm just saying I looked really good. <laughs> but uh, when I when I was thinking about it, I was I forget what I was at. I think I was at campus. I was either at campus. I was with one of my friends, and we were we were bull we were bullshitting about something. I don't remember what it was. And they were like, "You're really weird." I'm like what are you talking about weird and, he, and they go the way you get things the way you do things is a little bit unorthodox i'm like hmm so i'm thinking about it. i'm thinking about it i'm like a lot of people use unorthodox to describe me and my attitude so i'm just like okay we'll go with that but i don't know what happened when i re when i re-debuted this new gimmick <laughs> excuse me sorry when i debuted this new gimmick so for for some reason, it wasn't an unorthodox superstar like I wanted. It, uh, someone started saying I was the individualistic one, and that's all fine and dandy, but uh I can't say that real fast on promos. I start slurring and stuttering and stammering. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm just like, okay. So I changed from the individualist. See, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I changed it to the unorthodox, the unorthodox superstar for many reasons. It is because, well, first of all, the way I do my gimmick, the way I do my gear, and the way I actually do my promos is the way I talk in real life. It is like I took me and put it in the wrestling business, in the ring. Like, you see my gear. It says fanboy on it. it. Says nerd, which I am. I'm a proud, proud nerd. Like I like my Marvel. I like my D and D. I like my Magic the Gathering. Like I'm, I'm a big nerd. I don't know. See in the background here, right there, is a picture of the Dragon Zord I drew when I framed up. I framed up for artwork in my room. I'm in, I'm in my, uh, my, my office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like. So I'm just like, okay, so this is this is happening. So I got this new gear, and in my promos and in my gears, I do references of novels that not novels of nerd culture, and me just being me, and that's the unorthodox was born. However, though, I was gonna do a new name, but of course, that's a nickname, and it stuck. Like, I tr I tried. I tried Damien Delacroix. I tried Casey Hale. It just would not go away. Like, it's really weird because I have gimmicks. I have gear with their names on it. And I wrestle with this gear with their names on it. And the announcer still calls me Lestat because I've been all over the over over PA, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland. And they still call me Lestat. So I can write donkey on the side of my shorts. And they still call me Lestat. So... It's a nickname that stuck, so I just say the unorthodox superstar will stat. 
because it's really weird because one thing about my pants is they're always they're always changing because I have um I have sticky vinyl that that they use for car peels mm-hmm. and I actually take an exacto knife and actually cut out different symbols and I stick them to my shorts cuz the, they work really well with pleathers and I just peel them off and stick a new one on so it's all different oh i like that so, yeah it's but, funny uh, you mentioned something right so you you talked about like how this name kind of came because of like bullying right like mm-hmm. a bunch of kids yeah. like in in high school were bullying you and that's that's exactly where this came from the whole red dog thing all came from it oh, because shit. yeah my first name is clifford and everybody was like, oh, the big red dog. And so, yeah, I could totally relate to your story. And then what's crazy is I can relate because, like, everywhere I've gone, whether it was, like, a college or the military or even in pro wrestling, uh, yeah, the whole dig game just followed me. So I definitely mm-hmm. 100% just can vibe off of what you're saying. So when I hear you talk okay. about, like, people making fun of you and stuff like that, I was like, yeah, definitely know how that world was. <laughs> but then, like, at some point in time, just like you said, right, your friend had mentioned it, like you are you are taking ownership of it, and then you run with it, and then everybody else is like, "Well, well no, man, like it's it's not supposed to be a compliment." I'm like, no, 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 it is now. It's my compliment, and I'm taking it. Mm-hmm, running yeah. with it. So that's cool, though. I really like that that I, that the fact that you took something that was, you know, came from like a negative energy, and you you took it yourself, and you created a new positive energy, and just ran with it. So that's very that's very awesome. That's why I was, I was like I could relate to this story so much. <laughs> awesome, man. So I'm curious, man, because you have been in the business for a long time, dude, and I know you probably got to have one of these. So I need to know about what was like the worst bump you've taken. Oh, 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 oh! Uh, at practice or at a show? Why not both? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I say the worst bump I ever took. In practice, was the dreaded power bomb. All right. Oh, um, I knew a lot of people when I was training with who loved power bombs, and they um, how I train is different than a lot of people. How I train, I I train like I'm at a show. Like there was no like twenty five percent, fifty percent, seventy five. You go one hundred, or you go nothing. So I, I was working with. Um, I, it was at actually at KCW, a KCW dojo. I was working with the future Calvin McGrath, awesome guy, amazing guy. You know, did he did extra work for WWE and stuff? Uh, I was in the ring with him, and I think because me being me being green at the time, you know, if you're green, you slip up. Yeah, I, I I I slipped up, and he gave me a receipt, a receipt. And his power bomb isn't just a power bomb. It is he kicks you in the stomach, picks you up, and he drags you to one corner. He runs and jumps and power bombs you. Oh. Yeah, that like, and yeah, uh, he took he took, like, he did he did he did that to me. He jacked me up and like ran and power bombed me. Boom! Right in the ring, dude. I woke up. I saw stars. I saw lights, and I swear I was inside the ring. It was. <laughs> bad i didn't even know who i who i was was that's bad english who i were was yeah who i was and where i'm at it was bad like like he got me up because he's actually i think he's about like six two oh. and the, the building was really like low and 
when he jacked me up for the power bomb, I swear that like my ponytail hit the hit the roof of the building, hit the ceiling, of the, hit the ceiling, and oh, I was like, I was up there, and it felt like slow motion, and it went boom, and apparently I I, I exhaled at the wrong time, lost all my air. I was like, all oh, it was bad. It looked good, but I was like, come on. <laughs> I was for like the whole practice after the afterwards. I was just like, had no idea. Nope. Didn't even know how I got there. And now for a show, I was, um, it was at an all or nothing. It was no, Kobe pro all or nothing that the all or nothing is like their WrestleMania. Because there's a pro, there's a promotion that I don't like to that I don't like to talk about over here with that name, but um, the sickest bump I took, it was at uh, what they call that was their Money in the Bank ladder match. I forget what it was called, but I remember the guy's name was Mustafa something. I guess I don't remember his name, but it was Mustafa something, <laughs> and we were fighting outside, and he's like. I give him punch. He gives me a punch. We exchange. And he's like, how are you taking a bump? I'm like, what? Picks me up for a power slam right on the gymnasium floor. Like, yeah. I was not aware of it. I did not know it was coming. And I took full bump force on a gym floor with no give. Yeah, I was I was out for a while. I just like, like to roll under the ring a little bit and cried a little bit. <laughs> it just bothers me. I don't remember his name. I know it was Mustafa something. And he was a good worker, good guy. Like BBS backstage afterwards. But I was just like, <laughs> and I just like rolled under the ring for a little bit. I'm like, am I dead? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yo, first, like, first that powerbomb does not sound like fun to take. And then secondly, yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of a bunch of people just blow out their, uh, their bump card because of taking power slams on a, on a basketball court. Yeah, that's it. That's what I think. Don't think that fans like really understand. Like some fans, like smart fans, will definitely understand that. Like the ring is like wood and steel underneath with a with a pad, right? Thin, but it's there. But when you bump on the outside, there's no give. Yeah, like, no, not at all. It's a hundred percent suck territory. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Like you do have some promotions that do have pads out there, but don't like yay thick, and you can still feel it. Like everyone, everyone always thinks that oh, oh, those pads, oh, not on the gym floor. There's like nothing. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, man. Then uh, if we're gonna go from 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 your worst bump, we got to go to you know one of the times that you the hardest hit you've taken. So what about that? Oh. That is a good question. Um, I say uh, um, uh, this is a move that I was actually given this move, but I decided to go up and above it. I was actually wrestling for MVP up in, well, actually, yeah, up in Charleroi, PA. Okay. And I was against this guy named Jackson Hawk. New guy. He was not even a year in. And he, he's like legit six six, and with my boots on, I'm like six flat because I'm I'm only five eleven without my boots on. So, uh, what, um, he goes, okay, 
well, my finisher is the choke slam. I'm like, oh, what type of choke slam? Just like the, you know, the cane with the thing or the, the Hulk Hogan with the slam or, you know, whatever. You know, I had no idea. He goes, um, I do the choke slam. Like I put the glove on, I put the hand. I'm like, oh, so you do like a cane undertaker choke slam. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, we'll go with that. So it, uh, uh, the choke slam was the go home spot. And what, uh, the spot was I was supposed to duck something, come right towards him. And he was supposed to give me a choke slam and boom. All right. And, uh, so what he did, what he didn't expect was for me to actually up because, you know, I'm a big dude. I'm like with my boots on, I'm like six foot. I'm like 286 pounds. You know, I can bench press a lot and he's just tall. He's like a string being, but real tall. Good guy, though. Awesome guy. Good heart. So he grabs me for this choke slam, and I supercell the, ch- the the grab to the throat. He grabs my arm. He grabs my arm, and then and throws it over. And right when he jumps up, I give him the best the best pose and the best jump. And he almost in midair drops me because he didn't expect me to go up. Like I I jumped up. And like I gave the mat my neck, like it was that mu- that brutal of a bump, but it looked so good. There was actually this fan in front row who took a picture of it, and it was like an eight by ten. It was gave it was given to him, and he is like six six in the air, and he's like his arms straight up, but I'm up there, and he slams me completely down, and I could hear the crowd going, "Oh!" I know it was not that I know it was a move given to me, but. And that was over the summertime, and that was actually one of the sickest spots I've done in this the whole MVP whole event. It was a summer tour for Charleroi, and it was like the coolest thing because, like backstage, he was freaking out. He thought he hurt me. He thought I was pissed off because you know I was slammed hard and all that. And then he goes backstage. He's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Dude, that was sick." And he's like. And I like I went I went up the you know knuckle bump and give him this big hug. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like what? He's I thought you were mad at me. I'm like, dude, no, that was awesome. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so I'm curious, man, because I know I have my own little ritual, and I'm just very curious about yours, man. So when you get done with like a a show or even like after a match, right? Do you have a like a post-match meal that you have to go to? I get pie. <laughs> I um, I know this sounds really weird, but I I really don't eat that, mi- that much sweets. Well, not anymore. But uh, I like to save a snack, a sweet treat after a show. So I would actually go to a diner. I, I don't know why. I like to go to places that are not around here. So I like to go to diners, and I, I grab uh, meatloaf. Because meatloaf and pie are my things afterwards. So I grab a nice piece of meatloaf and I get pie. Even though I'm more excited for the pie, but, you know, I, I still am shunned upon getting dessert first. So I get meatloaf and I'm like, okay, done with my meal. Okay, what's, what's the pie? <laughs> so either, either either lemon or blueberry or no deal. Hey, I like it though, man. Good lemon pie though, man. It's definitely, definitely hits oh, yeah. the spot just right. Oh, I- yeah. I can agree. Sweet and tart at the same time. Fat. <laughs> All right, man. So I'm just curious, man. Like, what's been like one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn 
in your time in the in the industry? Humility. Um, I was taught the five points, the five principles in martial arts because I am a black belt, two black belts in BJJ Hapkido. And I, I, you know, me being a black belt, I, when the beginning of my, the beginning of my tenure as countless stat, I won over uh, uh, Greg G.I. Bear and Autumn Breeze from PCWA. So they got me over to PCWA and I became their champion at age 19. All right. And, um, it kind of went to my head a little bit. Like I swore that it won't happen. It won't happen. But you come, you are not even old enough to drink yet. And you're the champion. And everyone's looking to you for advice. Everyone's doing this and doing that. And you're the champion of a promotion. But yet on, on Saturdays, you're the champion. But on Sundays, you go back to being a trainee at KCW because I was still in training. And I was a champion. And I kind of it, it went to my head a little bit, and I deeply apologize if I to anyone listening that if I did hurt or piss off during that time because I I was ugly too. But ended up but uh, a big thing in this business: you may be champion one day, but the next day it's gone because that's how indie wrestling works. I became the champion, and then I quickly lost it and i lost when i lost the, the championship and things happened and i end up not going back for certain reasons you know thinking about it i was so mad but then i realized i can only be mad at myself because yes i was champion i had a big i had a big shoes to fill because like people who were champion at this place were like Nitro, uh, Ox Hog, Mister Saturday Night. You know the guys I watched when I was a little kid at the at the local armory being champion, and I'm in the ring with them. You know it was kind of like mind blowing, and it just losing losing it all was was it brought me back down, and I learned from that. And ever since then, I became the DCW United States champion. I became a multi-time tag team champion. I became a, I became one cruiserweight champion, but you know I can't no more. But <laughs> I got I got I got a whole bunch of other titles, and I try to be humble, respectful, and helpful at the same time, and not have a prop prop in a prop go to my head because i believe now that titles are just props like they, they're an invitation for next show but they're just props because i don't know if my freaks and geeks out there would see it or not but i don't have a championship well okay that is a lie i have one okay that's a lie i have two <laughs> <laughs> but at P like my main shows like hwt and pwx and, and northern tier i'm not a champion but when I go out there, I get a, I get applauded or booed like a champion because I, I go out there and bust my butt because that's what I do. Because I actually prefer not having a championship because I don't want the temptation because 
I'm sure you I'm sure you know I'm sure you know Mr. Dog about the temptation of gold. So yeah. Yeah, I mean at the time of this recording, man, like currently I'm uh Kayfabe Junkies uh champion. And I think I think one benefit of being older in the game is like understanding that like as quickly as you get those things, it's it's as quick as you can lose them, just like you said. And it's one of those things that, like, I keep myself, like, I have to keep myself grounded and tell myself, like, listen, man, like, and it's something that CM Punk said, right? Just because you're wrestling famous does not mean you're famous. <laughs> and so you have to, like, yep. you know, at the end of the day, people, like, some people don't know who you are. And, and you can't mm-hmm. act like you're, like, a big shot. So yeah. I, I keep myself grounded and I let myself know, like, at the end of the day, um, when you strip everything away, right? I'm still a dad. And that's like, that's the main part of my world. And uh, I, I, that's all I think about. So I know like, even though she understands and she's like super excited about everything and she, she understands, like at the end of the day, like it's, I'm still dad. And, that, and you're, and you're you know, two years in and you know that already. So you're ahead of the game. Yeah. And I, and I love it. I remember like, I, and I, I had one incident, right. And now I'll, I'll be transparent with it. I was at a, I was at a show and I was like, I don't want to work security. I was like, why am I here doing this? Like I've been on like a whole bunch of other shows. And I was like, but who the fuck am I? I was like, Yo, as soon as I said it, I was like, who the fuck are you? It's like, shut up and just enjoy the position that you're given mm-hmm. and do the job that's being handed to you. Because again, it could open up to other things. And, you know, mm-hmm. you said it like even in your, your first promotion, you know, they give you a job to do, whether you're a ref or a timekeeper, the sound guy, yep. light guy, whatever, just enjoy what yep. you're doing. And, and that's, that's where I'm at now. Like, I understand, like, I, whatever, wherever I'm at, I'm just going to enjoy what I got going on. Yeah. Understandable. Even so I've been, I've been, I took my first bump at 17. I'm 33. Now I am debuting next week in Lions, New York for UW ultimate wrestling. I'm doing a battle Royal. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people, a lot of people will be a lot of people that I know. I'm not saying for everybody, but a lot of people I know will be upset saying, oh, I'm driving five hours just to do a battle royal than driving five hours back. Because what, right when I'm sitting, it is about four hours and 45 minutes to Lions, New York. But I'm going to go because they like they asked me to be in a part of the battle royal. Do what do what I'm still doing what I'm told, like I'm going to go there, even though I have a lot of years in my belt. It don't matter. It's a new promotion. You got to start everything all over again. They give you a job. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to go in there and try to be the best person in the Battle Royal. If it leads to more things, that leads to more things. If it's not, I have a nice story to tell. Right. And then you have this incredible moment. This is and, – and see, that's the, that's the cool thing about, like, like this podcast, right? Um, and, it, and it puts me in such a unique position because, like, I go to HWT, right? I don't – I know my – I know my friends, right? So, like – Will Knox and Sicken and Ron Holiday and obviously Jason and um and Mad Max. Like I know those guys, right? I train with those mm-hmm. guys, I work with those guys, but then I get to meet you guys and I get to meet you and I get to meet Mike and I get to meet, you know, the Bonnet Club and I get to talk to all sorts of different people. And then I get to ask the next question, do you want to be on my podcast? And I make these connections and then I see these guys in other places and we talk and we joke about like we joke about the podcast. We joke about whatever happened, and it, it it allows me to do like a secondary. So just like you said, right? Like you 
get put in a battle royal, right? Who you get a good story out of the whole deal. And for me, like I, I would if someone told me like we want you in this battle royal, bet because of what I'm gonna end up doing is making friends with the promoter, right? And I want to say making friends, making acquaintances with the promoter, and then reaching out to all the different wrestlers that are on the show and having them on the podcast. So it gives me another opportunity to reach out and be like, hey, so I know no, you know no, this no. person. Can I get there? <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely cool that you're going to be a part of something. Just like you said, you're always laying the groundwork to always build yourself up to the next to that next mm-hmm. level. So I definitely – I love the fact that you talk about, like, hum- you know, humility is is the thing that you've learned and that you've, like, been able to, like, grow from. So that's very awesome, man. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to up and coming wrestlers? I know this sounds cliche, but never give up. Uh, when I was when I when I was first training, I'm not gonna lie. Wrestling training is hard, and for those who go on shows without proper training, uh, uh-uh. wrestling training is very difficult. Um. My trainer, uh, Cato, came up to me a few times, and he says he he uh, he still he told me that a couple times he said to my face that I don't think you're wrestler material. You can't do this right. You can't do that right. But every time I had open ring, that's I was always practicing what he told me I needed work on. There was it was not easy. Uh, it's vicious. It's it's mean. I guess. With people nowadays, it's mean. But I never gave up because when I first started watching wrestling was 1993. And I wanted to do it since then. And I wasn't going to have anyone tell me I couldn't. So when they told me, I they, when they said that I was about to be let go or whatnot, because I'm not, I wasn't running the ropes fast enough or I couldn't get a hip toss down right, that's all I practiced. And so I, all these people, they have one all these worker I say I say people workers loosely because they really don't have much training. They say they get one they get one bad match or they get one negative re- remark on a training on a training drill and then they leave and that's it. And I'm just like don't throw your dreams away. Work at it. Like never give up. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going to happen. And if you give up, you could be missing out on a whole bunch of things. So, like, my, my advice up and coming, never give up. Always be the first one there and the last one to leave. Never give up. Especially if you if you see yourself like this, then never give up. Like, it's weird because everyone asked me what I want to be when I grew up. Like, when I was in, like, fifth grade, I said WWF champion. And, like, I'm not there yet, but ever since I graduated high school until now – I've been living my dream and I've been loving it. And if I would have gave up when they told me to, I would have missed everything. And for that, I'm blessed. I like that though, man. And and, and something that you just kind of like step, like you just harped on. Right. it's really important to talk about is that like, you don't want to give up on your dreams. Right. Like I know a lot of people that like made fun of me because like I was a huge pro wrestling fan. I wanted to be a pro. I told people I want to be a pro wrestler and I just, everything else kind of got in. And I want to, I don't want to say it like this, but it kind of got in a way, but it kind of delayed everything to where I got to. Right. So like, you, yeah, you go to college, you go into the military, you know, you, I, I love my family. Okay. 
you have a family, right? And other things get in the way. But I, the one thing I consistently kept doing was kept chasing, kept striving to get what I wanted to. And it was my mom told me, right, that one of my, one of the kids I went to school with, right, he told my mom, he's like, so it's clear to see that uh, Cliff is just living his dream, right? And uh, she was like, yeah, he really is. And he was like, good, I'm happy for him. And this was a kid. He was the star linebacker on our team. So it's kind of cool, man. It's kind of cool to get that acknowledgement from somebody. And then everybody saw, like, I just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pulling for it. And I definitely definitely can relate, man. Like, don't don't give up on your dreams because that's what you wanted to do. Go chase it. And I told people uh, when I actually graduated high school, they said, uh, they go, what's that, Brian? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to the Fed, the WWE. At that time, it was WWE or TNA. I want to go there or I want to go there or keep on trying and keep on trying until I'm too old to do it. So I'm, I'm doing what I'm telling people I'm going to do. Like if I make it, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, at least I tried. A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people sit around and they have regrets when they're old, when they're old and in a rocking chair. Oh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. So, like, if I have a, hey, I wish I wanted, nope, I'd just do it because you never, like, today's a gift. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Exactly. Think about Master Shifu. Yeah. Uguay. Master Ugwe. Master Ugwe. I, I knew what you meant. Master Ugwe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So, really quick, I know you've been in a lot of different locker rooms. You've been around for a long time. So, I need one do and one don't of the locker room. Lock, uh, one do in a locker room. No matter. If you're a referee, if you're security, if you're a seasoned vet, a greenhorn, anything, anything, even like this also extends out to outside to like the music people, uh, the people selling concessions, uh, the setup crew, the tear up, the tear down crew, shake everyone's hand. Like, like even like even I know this is weird, but this is one of the scenarios I had with my trainer, Cato. If you walk into a building, uh, into a show, and there's a piece of dog crap inside the ring, you respect that dog crap because it's been there first. So you acknowledge it and give it respect because it was there before you. So, like, shake everyone's hand. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Be, be kind. Be respectful towards everyone because you, if you don't know who they are – you could just blew off three promoters that could have been booked you for three different shows and boom, your whole month is full. So please shake everyone's hand at, like before a show, get friendly with everyone. You know, there's some wrestlers that say hi, that's whatever. Some wrestlers would say hi, give you a big hug, whatnot. Just make sure if, like there are factors that if you can't, sometimes you're late or people or, you know, because wrestling day, wrestling day is busy. But do show respect because a big thing in all the locker rooms I've been in is respect. A lot of people love respect. It's it's a given. Like you give respect, you get respect. It's it's not given and it's earned. And once you earn it, it's forever until it, it's until it's broken. If it's broken, good luck fixing it. And a big don't. Oh, there's a lot of big don'ts in my book. 
I say a big don't is a lot of people don't like to listen to the little guy. Listen to everybody. Like, you'd be surprised how many times I've seen uh, WWE guys come into shows or Super Indies come into shows, and they find out that Joe Schmo over there is just, like, security, and they just don't pay attention to him. Always pay attention to the little guy. You never know what they have to say. You never know stuff could help you or stuff just be there. But you always listen to everyone. Do not blow anybody off. It, it, well, first of all, it's mean. It's in disrespectful. But you could either, A, meet a good friend, or B, you never know who the, the Joe Schmo is. He could have a brother who has a promotion. So you never know. So do is respect and shake everyone's hand. Don't, don't blow off people. I know it seems kind of hand in hand, but having respect in the locker room is a uh, big. You just cannot walk around thinking that your shit does not stink because if you think that, it does automatically. Facts. Facts. I love that. So now that we're at, you know, this is the portion of the show where, like, you know, I asked all my big questions already, man. So we got to get into the second best segment of the three count podcast. You probably wonder yourself, Wait. what's the first? It's Red Dog's power rankings that you can find every Sunday on our debate shows. <laughs> so oh. this is the three count podcast, 10 count questions. And Mr. Lestat, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast. Whatever's your answer, that's your answer. All right. So we're going to put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing! And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Smackdown. Favorite movie? The Crow. Night Owl or Early Bird? Early Bird. Favorite symbiote? Ooh, I have to say Antivenom. Okay. Xbox or PlayStation? PlayStation. Favorite submission move? Ooh, Walls Jericho. Friday night, what you doing? Tra- uh, gymming, watching SmackDown. Favorite podcast? Oh, I would say I would say I say three count. No, uh, but no, I, I say um, Chris Jericho's podcast. Yes, all Bobby of them. Jericho is so good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. Ooh, I would say um, PWX's superstar Aaron Connors. Okay. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show, favorite curse word? Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but I've been saying that a lot in this this podcast, so. <laughs> it's it's a good one, and it's always just necessary to drop just every once in a while. So it's, it's first time, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> But bet that is the three count podcast, ten count questions. But the last thing I need from you, Lestat, is to let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you. Well, all my freaks and my geeks out there could see me in uh, different promotions because on my on my Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, yeah, I have them all. Uh, Snapchat, hashtag B underscore Riotude. You could see me. And all my freaks and geeks out there can see where I'm at, who I'm with at all times. It's kind of freaky, but hey, that's what I like to see. That's what I like to do. 
<laughs> but where there you have it, he also has a TikTok too. Same, same hand. Oh yeah, I do have TikTok. I forgot TikTok. Yeah, I have TikTok. I have, I have like the infinity gauntlet of social media, so I have them all. <laughs> but and there you guys have it. So you know what that means. We gotta take this home because this is the Three Count Podcast presents now entering ring. And like I said, I'm your host, Clever Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling but like every good sherpa you gotta have somebody who's been there done that and can do it more efficiently than you can and so that's why it's never about me but it's about who's entering the ring and today you see him right there the unorthodox lestat so you guys know what to do tune into the next episode and be there or you just wait for this episode to end you wait for that outro and you choose another episode peace What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.